The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by Kingsters for Kingsters, Poly, Queer, Transfolk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Featuring personalities as their authentic selves, this is What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. It's an intimate conversation with people inside the kink and fetish worlds, as well as educators, sex-positive personalities, and other amazing people sharing their stories of what makes them who they are. And now, here is our own wonderful human with the questions, John or as he is known around the kink and fetish community. Hi there, Catsuit. Hello there, Nookie. We've been blessed to have so many amazing kink educators join us throughout our run here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. And today we are joined by two who take one week and give you a total education in domination. Seven Days of Domination brings you marathon kink education taught by the best in the business every damn day. Each segment highlights a skill or concept explaining what it is, why folks are drawn to it, how you go about working this into your play, and the main questions, what's next? The ever-growing library of BDSM knowledge boasts 10 volumes and over 75 classes and counting. Now we're joined by the founders of Seven Days of Domination, Lola Jean and Miss Shayla, on what women and other wonderful humans want. questions that establish the story. Five questions about firsts, bringing back the genesis of the character behind the human. It's the first five, and it starts now. First time you ever on the playground got put in timeout for being mean to a kid. And I think I'll start with Shayla because you know the answer to this. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's part of the of the Shayla lore, I suppose. Uh, I used to get in trouble all the time for kicking boys in my Sunday school classes in the nuts. I would kick them in the nuts. I found this to be very very funny. My teachers did not find this as funny as I did. Um, yeah, I got in trouble a lot for when I was in uh, pre K. A kid bit me. I guess because I'd done something mean to him, but the teacher was like, oh, he's a problem. Uh, they called in my parents. They're like, oh, you know, your your daughter attacked uh, this boy, but it was in self-defense. We just want to keep an eye on everything. And then the second time it was me who started it and they realized that I was the problem. And 
I was the terror. It's me. Hi. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> Lola Jean, did you ever have a story, maybe not in pre-K, but the first time that you knew that you were intimidating to somebody? I I feel like it took me a while to realize I was intimidating, but like the first memory that popped up was I got in trouble for calling someone a dummy. Um, and the thing is, I think I actually meant it in a complimentary way. <laughs> I remember being like, but it was nice. I said, this person, we were supposed to compliment people. We went around the class and I was like, they make a good dummy. <laughs> it's a good dummy. There was an adjective that preceded it. So, I mean, I guess that's the beginning of my verbal humiliation saga. I'm still wondering. <laughs> I know. First time you were in a formal scene, do you remember what it was? And do you remember, do you remember how it made you feel afterwards? Ooh, formal scene is hard. Uh, I do. So long before I ever became a pro dom, um, I was dating somebody and he was, you know, he was the top, right? And I was like, oh yeah, this is fine. This is whatever. This is a kinky thing that we like to do together. And it was it was final four weekend in where, where we were. So there were no hotel rooms because we were kind of long distance at the time. And so he rented a dungeon and who the, the proprietoress uh, was a kind of infamous dungeon or uh, dominatrix in Texas. And she had, she knew him somehow. He, he'd been a client at some point, I think. So I didn't find that out until much later. And, but he goes, Hey, do you do overnights? And she's like, yeah, sure. It's no problem. And so he surprised me with a dungeon visit. And I remember being less interested in the kinky sex that we were having than I was in all of the furniture and all of the rooms. I thought, Oh my God, you can do so much crazy shit in here. And I just, I just was there all night just being like, Oh, this is amazing. There's like a bondage Bowflex over there. <laughs> and like, I don't know what this piece of furniture does or how a human gets on it but like I'd like to figure it out so the next morning we were cleaning to leave I was just pressing all the buttons and all the hoists that went up and down and I remember thinking ah I want to play with this I want to play with this without him in the room right um do you remember who that dominatrix was and have you contacted them since uh Matrice Renee yeah she's pretty much retired mm -hmm. um but she had an incredible incredible space in dallas it was like seven rooms she had a human hamster wheel it was cool. really really amazing um i haven't i mean i haven't seen she's gone kind of dark but mm -hmm. i mean i think we're friends on fat life and cool. but i mean she knew him so it was fine but she had an incredible incredible space <laughs> i remember living in dallas and was just in yeah. awe of her she was one of the first dominatrices i think i i actually followed and wanted to see Aww. what she was doing and and wanted to eventually go down to i think it was dominion yep. dallas was the name yeah. of her dungeon and i was like wow lola jean I your heard, turn does mean it was like negotiated and we intentionally did kinky things because that takes away like the probably first 12 kinky things I did, um, which were done to me um, and didn't really involve me in it. So it's so not as fun, but like formal, gosh, I think I tried to, I, I've tried to black out so much of it because it was so traumatic and frustrating and embarrassing. But I do remember negotiating and trying to do a rape fantasy 
And um, the person I was doing it with stood me up on rape fantasy night. How do you stand somebody up for their own rape fantasy? I know. Opposite of a rape fantasy. It was so insulting. Truly. Not, not as exciting. I do. I do not understand people when they stand people up. And um, this comes at a very strange time because three times in the last two weeks have I been stood up for either <laughs> dinner or a session or whatever. It's like, now, granted, it wasn't a rape fantasy. <laughs> I, I give you that. But people need to realize that communication and kindness goes a long way I mean especially for me I'm really big on that in general is like I just want to know how to prepare mm -hmm. like most of the time it's like it's not that I'm going to be as I mean depending as disappointed if like things don't happen but like tell me so I can you're not going to make me feel better by like saying oh five more minutes oh this that whatever it's like just tell me so I can plan something else so you can return the van before they charge you the full day mm -hmm. <laughs> The van. Ooh, <laughs> you put <laughs> ideas in my head. <laughs> First time you ever taught a formal class, what was it? And were you confident in doing uh, okay. it? Okay. First time I taught a formal. So I started um, teaching at sex parties. So it was both small scale, but also the attention spans on people. Cause you're in the middle of a sex party at night is like, you have to be like, look, boobs, look, a penis, like, er like, look, all of you are all over the place. Some of you are on drugs. Um, some of you are fucking somewhere. So it was like a nice, a, a good challenge and way to start before I started teaching in like formal classroom settings. Um, but I believe I started with, um, I think with that, I was just like teaching squirting or talking about that. Um, because also at a sex party, it's just like, that's going to be things that like, People are going to be like, oh, I'll stop what I'm doing and pay attention to this for like the five minutes that you're teaching it. Yeah, but that was how I started. And I had all the confidence in the world. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen that. <laughs> I've seen, I've been at those sex parties and seen this wording <laughs> demo. I think the first time that we really got to know each other was at one of those, it was a, it was a party where it was just stuff was happening everywhere. And it was, and we ran or you ran that squirting show like five times over yeah. the course of the night. And I was there for all five times and I was just in awe of you. And that was the first time we'd really gotten to know each other. We'd ever gone to a party together. And um, yeah, that was wild. If you can be, it's also really set you up because your classes are so entertaining. Mm -hmm. And if you can entertain at, if you can like get people's attention and keep them entertained for any length of time at a sex party, yeah. um, when you're not actually fucking them or doing something to them, uh that's it said you with a really strong foundation true and it's yeah. also like I think that's where the doming comes in because you have to maintain order in a way that like is still fun um and I mean she's she's been a lot of my classes and co-taught a lot of them I'll like sometimes I like to just do a little bit of public embarrassment just so I can have control over the room oh it's so funny mm -hmm. it's so funny yeah but it's like a comedy routine like because you do it five times over the night or when yeah. we like worked house of yes in that back room and we had like different like 10 people coming in every 20 minutes and you do the same thing over and over again by the ninth time you're like kind of done but you have it down pat yeah that's how my water sports <laughs> class ended up being so my my water sports class is probably my most famous infamous of all the classes and that was the first one that I uh solo taught um and it 
uh, it's great. I do it monthly. It's half work, half instruct, half Shayla comedy hour and half uh, piss bang. And so, and I felt the first one, I was pretty shaky. I had a list of notes as long as my arm, right? Because I was, uh, I've taken a lot of classes in my, in my life and I was just kind of nervous that someone was going to be like, well, act, you know, cause we all suffer from imposter syndrome. Right. And I was really concerned that somebody was going to stand mm-hmm. up and be like, everything you've just taught about the pelvic floor is wrong. And I really wanted to give a thorough because the class that I teach is primarily for professionals and for tops. There's a little bit of like bottom safety, um, but there's a lot of stuff like questions you need to ask and things like that. And so I really, really, really got super, super, super thorough with it because I was terrified that someone was going to be like, well, this isn't enough information. This wasn't worth going to. And now it's no problem, right? I managed to cram all of the information into exactly 35 minutes. It's a, you do it. I could do it from that. Now I have no notes, right? I've been doing this for so long. I, the only decision I have to make is what shoes I'm going to wear to class. And I just, I mean, I could do it at the drop of a hat. I'm like, you got a water bottle? You got a, you got a venue? Let's go. First time you two realized you wanted to do seven days of domination. Well, so we were working on another project. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, RCIA, which is Rehab Center for Insecure Adults. We're still working on it. We're still working on it. (laughs) And it's been put on on, uh, pretty, obviously with the pandemic, because we started this January 21 or 2020. 2020, Yeah. And the world would shut down Mm -hmm. just a few months later. And so we realized that we, you know, couldn't work on that. Uh, but we, what we could do, since everybody was at home, uh, everybody was out of a job, right? And being in a profession where you spit directly into other people's mouths is not really a pandemic-friendly occupation. And so uh, we said all of our friends are out of a job, uh, but we know a lot of really amazing people who have a lot to share. And so we said we'll. Um, Let's just, let's just have kink classes online. People who had never taught in their lives were, you know, finding ways to connect with each other and be in the room with each other. So they were like, oh, I'll teach a class or, oh, I'll go on live and I'll explain some of my procedures. And we were like, our friends have so much to offer. Let's, let's just do a marathon week of classes where we get everybody together for an entire week. So everybody, every day, somebody has something to look forward to and it really sort of took off from there. Yeah. it. I mean, it was something that we were like, let's see if we can make our friends some money, break even, kill some time. And like, not only did we completely exceed our goals and expectations for what was supposed to be a one-off, but like people had a reason to wake up in the morning, which is not the intention and wild. And the community it created, we just had to take note that like, this is something really special um, that we have to continue. And here we are on our 10th series we are about to have like a full eight week online boot camp in our back pocket too. And we have just created this incredible community and space that was so needed. And like, and I used to work in like natural foods. And I always remember my boss saying of like, the best things happen by accident. The best things happens when you create something and like someone takes notice instead of like intentionally being like, I'm going to make this thing and it will be successful. First time for both of you that someone acknowledged that something you did changed their life. Ooh, Ooh. first time. Oh, God. I I think titty bar days, probably. Um, I 
Yeah, I um I worked in strip clubs for over a decade. That's my sort of super villain origin story. And uh yeah, it's fun. It's it was super fun. I realized uh you know, I am very much an exhibitionist. And so, you know, being naked on stage in front of several hundred people is a really, really great way to get that need met. And I used to do a lot of, I was, when I walked into the strip club the very first time, I was, you know, alone, right? I didn't know, I'd never been to a strip club before I went to go work in them. And so I sort of walked in and just went went about my, my work. And over the years, I would see other women walking in and they were, it was their very first day and they had no idea how stuff worked and no idea how to make money and no idea how to talk to people. And uh, so I would sort of give them the rundown and be kind to them because I really, everything that I learned, I learned from other sex workers, right? And every single thing that I've ever done, I've either learned from them in a dressing room somewhere or I learned it the hard way. And so being able to shave some of that, like, you know, life, like, lived experiences off of people's intro into what is designed to be a very intimidating industry um it really it really helped and it really anyway I I'm I'm off on a tangent now but um I think just seeing (laughs) some of the women that I had I had sort of trained over the years really their careers really take off and them you know buying homes or uh, paying off school or this, that, and the other. And, you know, I, I worked in strip clubs for over a decade. So there's, a, you know, more than a handful who have really just gone to do really amazing things. And um, none of them have ever sat down and written me a formal letter saying, oh my God, thank you, Miss Shayla. You've changed my life for the better. Where would I be without you? But they don't need to, right? Because I know, I know. I do get those former letters now, like a lot, because it's also people I don't have direct contact with Mm. that I'm helping, whether it's someone who like saw an interview that listened to an interview I did or someone who bought a class, like I'm not necessarily going to know. So I actually do get a lot of those notes now, but I like, I I feel like, who knows, maybe I've like helped people or like, I mean, the fucking worst is when someone's just like, thank you for the experience we had where I learned a lot about myself through like probably causing you pain or some kind of shit. And like, I'm sure that's happened, which is like, oh, great. Thanks. I'm glad I did that for you. But (laughs) I was thinking about actually, there is one specific person who worked in the dungeon where we met. And I remember I found out that she didn't masturbate. And I was like, no, (laughs) we're going to change this. Um, And I remember like giving her different like tips or explaining things to her she was like fascinated by my squirting and I'm like let's talk about this I'm like you have so so much more control over like your pleasure and all of this like you don't have to be a receptacle for your partner and like I just remember her being so excited to like tell me she squirted and like all this stuff since she started masturbating and all this kind of stuff and it's like I was teaching before I was actually formally teaching and that was just like out of concern of like Wait, no, no, no. We need to change the thing that's happening I love for you. She says, I don't masturbate. And your first inclination was no. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, this has to change. <laughs> this, this cannot stand. <laughs> and their life was never the it's same. It's funny because it's again. always those where they're just like, oh, I don't masturbate. And all of a sudden they're just like, I'm squirting and having 10 orgasms at the same time. It's like, you really went from zero to 60, didn't you? Yeah. Well, it's all that pent-up Yeah. How many decades of not masturbating? It's all going to come out at once. Yeah. It's like, you just really overachieved. 
very bad pun coming up. More to come with Lola Jean and Michelle when we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. We do this show without paid advertisers and provide it to you as a labor of love. If you want to help the show, as well as contribute to Catsuit's conference fund to get live interviews and teach some amazing classes, you can give at bit.ly slash thanks, Catsuit. Now let's hear from some of Catsuit's friends with some messages for you. Are you curious about kink but don't know where to begin? <laughs> or maybe you have a friend who, while they appreciate your interest in BDSM, they don't really understand what it's all about. You should check out Kink for the Curious. It's a fun little activity book with color pages and word finds, lots of silly puns, <laughs> uh, but lots of solid BDSM and kink information written by somebody who's been in the business for almost 30 years. Kink for the Curious, a BDSM activity book for beginners written by Princessa Natasha Strange, that's me, <laughs> is available on Amazon. Go get it now. Welcome to the Yoniverse. I'm Scarlett. And I'm Anya. The Flaming Yoni podcast is a celebration of the beautiful and unique expressions of female sexuality. From asexual to megasexual, from lifelong monogamy to relationship anarchy, from deep spiritual bonds of sacred union to spur of the moment flames. It is all infused with Yoni energy. Search for the Flaming Yoni on your favorite podcast platform. You will not leave the same as when you came. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. We invite you to connect with us on social media so you can follow all the great news about the show. You can find us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, and on FetLife at www.podcast. And if you want to follow the host, that's easy, as on Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife, he is Hi There Catsuit. And now back to what women and other wonderful humans want, presented by Dating Kinky. Thank you, Nookie. Welcome back to the program. Honored to be joined by... Lola Jean and Miss Shayla from Seven Days of Domination. That was a big undertaking that you all accidentally <laughs> fell into. And now 
as I take a look at the roster of educators that you bring to the forefront with each seven days, I am in awe. Happy to say a lot of them have been a guest <laughs> on my podcast, but I am in awe of the amazing background that they have. How did you all develop your network? We were hot on the internet. <laughs> that that tends to attract other hot on the internet. We both like helping people. We, we both like community. I, I think especially with whores and other sex workers, doms, really just all sex workers. It was something that I think when I started at the dungeon where we met and like growing from there, it healed my relationship with femmes and it was just such a different camaraderie that like, we're like, there's enough money and perverts to go around. All of us can eat. Let's help each other. And it was always about how can I help my friends? And I'm, I'm obsessed with making my friends money. I love doing it. It makes me feel so good. And like, that feels like one of the like most like best ways that I can help other people is by giving them opportunities, giving them money. Like that's, you know, teach a man to fish versus give them a fish. And I want to be able to like teach them to do so. And so good at it. I loved it. It's my love language. I love make. <laughs> I love making other people money. Um, and I love. I basically I see like every man, who not just every man probably, but like who comes to see a sex worker. I'm like, you have a certain amount of money. Let's go spread you around to everyone I know until this shit runs out. Mm -hmm. If it does at all. Mm -hmm. And also, like I think you love. Probably over time because you had your your moments when you were the um, the dungeon manager, oh, but God, you. Yeah. I do love helping people. I think that's why I built this space. Um, I do. I love helping people. And I love, I also really love hearing myself talk again. So I, uh, I really enjoy teaching because it's a captive audience. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's really great, but I love, yeah, I love, I really love helping people. And I, that network was really formed by uh, helping people. You know, you help one person in a small way and then you like, they, it, that gets passed on yeah. and they say something like, oh, well, you know, Shayla taught me this. And then, you know, you go to enough events and you start to meet people because when you're, you know, when you're just sort of a not shitty person in the scene, like other people want to yeah. be friends with you, right? Because there's a number of, you know, shitty lifestylers and shitty, shitty professionals and just shitty people. So people trying to take advantage of other people exactly. and think that like, they're the only person who shit doesn't stink or something. And so when you're just all the bar is on the ground, right? All you have to do is not be big to other people <laughs> and people will be like, Oh, you're cool. I'm cool. We have similar interests. Like, this is really awesome. Yeah. And so our network really grew from there because like, you know, you had the podcast and I had the dungeon and our, you know, all of our friends were like, Oh, they're really, you know, easy, fun, reliable on time to work with uh turns out that that's yeah that's worth a lot it's worth a lot it's worth a lot and yeah. and like we love seeing like when there's like newer people and we're like yeah. oh I like this person this person's really interesting or like the dub's like oh I like that person's branding yeah. they've only been doing this shit for six months they're gonna be great like we we love seeing that and I think the other reason that like sets us apart is like you know now that we've established ourselves we are very fucking good at curating both curating topics people mm -hmm. we love scouting like new talent or like presenters or even coaching people that we think will be great presenters that haven't done it before mm -hmm. and like 
we have our new team member Veda, who's getting really fucking good She's at so curating good. So as good. well, like keeping an eye out for safety, figuring out what presenters that we want. So like, that's kind of what continues it because there's definitely people that were like, I don't know them, but they seem really fucking cool. Yeah. Or I like the way they talked about this thing. Yeah. And a number of our presenters have never taught before. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but we like, we're firmly of the belief that like, everybody has something that they can teach some I mean it's the kink community at large right see one do one teach one and that's how it's sort of always been and you know as professionals even if they have never formally taught a class before they have a wealth of experience that they can draw on and also it's like putting their own personal spin on something because if I teach a golden showers class and you teach a golden showers class they're going to be two totally different things like the the meat of the mm -hmm. material is the same but the execution is different and we just know so many really incredible people who have their own amazing style and like spreading that and sharing that is really like a core value of ours. And we're just like, yo, you've got something really dope and we want to put it like, you know, you just, it deserves to be out in the world. And mm -hmm. so I've probably maybe like a quarter yeah. of our presenters had never taught a formal class before. And we, you know, we're able to coach them through it and um, and they've all done an impeccable job, every one of them. Give me a story of one of those presenters that totally surprised you with how awesome Ooh, they were. I was like surprised. I was like, I can think of people who I'm like obsessed with and they're like very good teachers, but I'm thinking of like we who's surprised? surprised by really any of them. Um, there were, you know what, Nikita Rain. Um, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that surprised us because yeah. when she went to present, we're like, "Is there something wrong with your computer?" And she's like, "That's part of it." Yeah, like <laughs> it was wild. We uh, she did a class on teasing, and she was actually someone. So before we did Seven Days of Domination, we had done like a boot, boot camps camp. before, and she yeah. was one of the attendees. And for like our maybe second or third boot camp, and then we just became friends with her. Yeah, afterwards we became friends with her, and she's an amazing, incredible human and a wonderful, I mean, spectacular performer. And so when we, she came on, she didn't tell us anything that we were going to do because we don't give them any constraints. We're like fit it into like you know thirty five to fifty minutes of instruction. Do whatever you want. Um, we don't really care. And so she showed up, and she had. It was a class on teasing and she had a, a piece of like mesh over her webcam. And so it was like really kind of blurry. You could sort of see her, but not really. And we were just really like, what is going on? Like, you know, it's fine. We'll, we'll work through it. If it's a technical difficulty, we have a major technical difficulty with every seven days of domination. It is inevitable. We prepare for it. Um, it's that surprises us every time we're like, oh, this is a thing that's happening. And so we're like, okay, we'll just we just trust her, right? We implicitly trust her. And then it was incredible. It was a lot of like, you know, she had lights going on behind her and she was like a fucking button like and the button. lights would change. And it was like a silhouette. And then it was maybe just a little bit of her face and maybe a little bit of her eyes. Like she teased everybody in the class through a webcam while presenting a class mm -hmm. on the art of the tease. And it was wild. We were all like, all of us were sitting in the room after like the class ended and we had closed the computer. We were all sitting there being like, <laughs> and, like she is a performance artist. So I don't know why we were surprised, yeah. but still it was like, that was original <laughs> as fuck. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. 
Who is the instructor that was on your bucket list that you said, we're never going to get this person? And they said, yes. Amazonia. Definitely one. Definitely one of them. Um, I think probably anybody from Dami's. Yeah. Um, so uh, two years ago, one year ago. What, over a year ago? Over, yeah. A little over a year ago, we did a, um, we decided that our theme was going to be like, Oscars, Grammys, Emmys, but we did Dommies, right? And so everybody on the program <laughs> had to have like more than, I think the average uh, experience of the the folks we had on that program was 20 years, right? We were like, this is the red carpet. This is the best of the best. And so everybody that we reached out to, we just reached out to like everybody, right? Just our dream presenter, right? And uh I was really surprised at who said yes, you know, and everybody, really everybody that said yes to, to that. Um, and of course, everybody's way nicer than you think they are. Right. You're just like, oh, cause you see all this really, mm-hmm. you know, you, when everybody's brand is, I am a cruel bitch. Like, <laughs> it's, it's hard to not internalize that. And so when you do meet them, you're there and they're just so wonderful. You're, you're just like, it doesn't, it's in the beginning, it doesn't really make sense in your head, but then you remember like, you know, my branding is I am a cruel bitch, but I'm like a really nice person. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but don't tell anybody I have a reputation. <laughs> and so really anybody that was on Dommies, I mean, we had Tara Indiana, we had Troy Orleans, we had Michelle Lacey, um, we had Amberly Rothfield. Like we had so many people who have just been tirelessly doing incredible shit for so long. Um, we had, well, that was the first one we had Princess Callie on. And oh, I yeah. remember we went to DomCon after that and just like really grew that relationship, yeah. which was like fucking wild to us because she's one of our idols. Absolutely. And just that she saw us on like a business level of what we were doing and like respected that was like one of the most game-changing moments. it was the most game-changing because I you know it's like one of those things like never meet your heroes and then we just like we like met and she was like so obviously so nice mm-hmm. and just absolutely brilliant and helpful and just like very like giving and loving endlessly to this community and we were just like hi will you sign I was like will you sign my book please <laughs> <laughs> but we have there's like a couple people on our wish list and I was just like I mean this is kind of where shoot your shot works but I'm just I think like the other day I'm like oh Emily Mikowski that would be a great oh, one yeah. I'm like I doubt we can do it but let's fucking try who knows she's not a dominatrix but we like we really we'll make an exception we'll make an exception <laughs> yeah um and so that's a yeah we're at this point and it also I think the the network is, and then I we tell this to the people who take our beginner dom boot camp. Like your network is going to be the most important thing and the thing that carries you, um, and it's that like social proof and that sort of yeah. Like, and it's not not even in a like a ladder climbing sense. It's just when people see the list, they're more likely to say yes to us because they're like, oh, you've worked with them. I know them. Like that's this seems fine. This like not- this podcast. Like- we saw all of our presenters on there. Yeah, we saw all <laughs> of our presenters. And because if you'd approached us and been like, oh, do you want to be on our podcast? We're like, we're so busy. It's not going to happen. Then we looked at the list. We we're like, oh, OK. Like, you know, he must be an all right dude if he's worked with all of our favorite people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Put it out there. Who are some bucket list people you want to have on? Okay, wait, dead Go or ahead alive. And dead or alive. Give a pitch right here. <gasps> well, uh, preferably alive because you'd want them yeah, to be able to do it. Madeline Marvel. We all know that I am obsessed with her. Obsessed and I think her. she's and fucking brilliant. 
I think she retweeted one of my tweets once. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Madeline Marlowe. Um, we've been trying to get Midori on forever, but the scheduling has been um weird. And so let's see, who else? Um well we're gonna get Carmel on. We're gonna oh yeah, we're gonna get Madame Carmel on. That's yeah. that's a that's a thing. She's an icon. Um I've been trying to talk Ariana Chevalier into it. Ooh, um, yeah. And that I mean she would be a dream to have on the show. Um who else? Who's do we who else do we know we know a lot of we do I was like we definitely there are a couple people on the bucket list and like trying to but like honestly like it has been surprising sometimes we're just like they said yes they know who we are yeah wait yeah you're talking about meeting Callie at DomCon when I went to FetishCon last year and Anastasia Pierce and Jean Bardot are introducing (laughs) me to people I'm like, it's kind of a real moment, isn't it? <laughs> How did this it's happen? Wild. And so we are so proud to have been named the official podcast oh, of FetishCon because mm. of that. And so we're going to go down and do some red carpet stuff. We're going to do live uh, content from down there, tape a boatload of podcasts. And we're even going to have a podcast studio oh, there Fetishcon to be able to have the, because one of my, my favorite shows we did was I did seven interviews, which were all like maybe six, seven minutes at FetishCon with people like vendors, a couple of podcasters who came over from Europe and they were like, what did we get ourselves <laughs> into? And somebody who was there at their oh, first fetish con, trying to take it all in, just getting all those different things. And I know what you mean when you talk about Princess Callie. I interviewed her two days ago. It was the second time I interviewed her because the first time my computer totally oh, no. ate the entire podcast. And yeah. she was so understanding. She said, well, sure, let's in. talk some more. So... To be able to have uh, talked to her for what was probably three hours, and we're doing it uh, one of our first two-part episodes with her. Amazing. Just amazing. I got off topic there. Let's get back on Something you said just a minute ago about how you'd interviewed um, vendors and other podcasters and somebody who was there at their very first VetCon. That's something that I really love is that because everybody has a story to tell and everybody sees things and experiences things a little bit differently and it's that I mean that's how you grow as a person right because you you know you talk to people you understand things and it's it's really really great getting to see it very even however briefly five to seven minutes or whatever through somebody else's eyes you're like oh I didn't think about it that way before or oh wait you did that thing or oh wait this booth has stickers like (laughs) it's it's fun. It's really, really fun to get to experience that. Like I love conventions because you get to just rapid fire talk to so many people and it's super, super, super fun. How much difference is seven days of domination now from when you imagined it? It hasn't really changed. Honestly, it's that 
the thing is too, is like, we have been working on many different things that may have been similar beforehand. So this isn't our first rodeo. So like we had experience going into it. And I think because of that, it is now like such a well-oiled machine. And like, we are so intentional of like what our brand is, what it is not, what kind of things we want to challenge, um, where we want to grow to. So I think like it's, it has way more intention and structure because before it was just kind of like a sneeze of like, let's do this thing one off. And then as we did the first one, the second one and the third one, we're like, okay, this is officially a thing. Let's create a structure for this business because it's not, I mean, it's not our primary business. And it, the goal of seven days of domination is to always be greater than ourselves. Yeah. Like we don't need to be the ones teaching the baby down boot camp. We don't need to be the ones hosting the seven days of domination. Like that can always be, another dom and like we can always like as we grow involve more people like create other things and you know hand this over to the people that we trust just kind of as like the dom community goes so I think it's it's just way more intentional and structured and it has a life of its own now like you should know seven days domination without knowing us because it's it's it is about the community. And people do. Sometimes people are surprised. They're like, oh, wait, that's your thing? And we're like, yeah, that's we host it. But that's such a compliment, right? Yeah. Because it is always and always will be about the the person who's teaching the class and the person and the content of the of each. Because each individual class is a totally different animal. And is they're all presented in different ways. And so it's, it's always kind of a compliment when somebody's like, oh, I didn't know that y'all ran that. <laughs> we're like, yep. and like as it's gotten more successful it enables us to to do different things to like give back make free programs where we can like you know pay the people like we're gonna have two free roundtables coming up and we're paying all the people on the roundtables but we're not going to charge anyone to go to it so it it affords and enables us to do different things to give back for the community yeah that was that was one of my favorite moments is when we were able to give everybody a raise. That, yeah. Um, because originally we had set we had a set amount <laughs> for the first, I think two. Just the first one. Oh, we, the we, first gave one. we gave everyone a raise after the first one. We gave everybody a raise after the first one. We realized that, oh, well, we have the we it was very successful. And so we have the budget. And so we were able to not only give everybody a raise going forward, but able to give the round, the first round of presenters a like back pay, um, a retroactive raise, if you will. And that was really, and we were been able to just sort of give like there was one one time we uh we so we donate 20 percent of our sales to charity um various sex worker charities and we were able to just be like fuck it you want to round it off to an even number that's high like a little bit higher than what we said we were, and like we have the budget to do that now and it just it feels really good to be able to do these types of things rather than you know working on a shoestring budget and be like well can we put this together and can we sell enough tickets and because now we're no longer constrained by that we can identify what education and what people um you know need to be the ones presenting that and just give it to people. Can you all give some advice to educators who are out there who don't feel appreciated in the fact that they research and they give their time to put on really good classes, but unlike you all who take care of your presenters, I've seen some places that are like, oh, yeah, we'll give you a free ticket. Come on in and teach. And can you do four sessions of it? <laughs> well, as as someone who 
regularly teaches uh, the last conference that I taught at, I not only paid for my ticket, um, I did, I paid full price for my ticket and yeah, wow. and I, granted I only taught one class, but, um, the, the real, I mean, part of it is again, I'm an exhibitionist and so, and I love hearing myself talk. So like that is a reward in and of itself. But the thing is like, no matter who, say you get stuck with like a 9am slot and there's four people in your class. I've sat in classes like that before. Um, just like not everybody is as outgoing or as sort of like gushing as, as you know, we are, you know, we're always very like, you know, oh my God, this was my favorite part of your class because that's the feedback that I like to receive. So I'm always just like, I always make a, a note. If I see somebody later in the weekend, be like, your class was incredible. And here's why I think that. Or like um, if someone's teaching a class and like all of our classes are recorded, so you don't have to show up live. And right. it's just like one person and us too. We're like, we're going to be such we're big cheerleaders. Be, yeah, that's the thing. And so, But just know <laughs> that even if nobody approaches you after that class, maybe they hadn't yet had their coffee and they were sitting in your class and they were like, they all, everybody takes away something from that, like regardless of what happened and regardless of what you taught, like somebody is, you are out there. There are classes that I have taken years ago that just now uh, clicked in my brain. I go, oh shit, like that all, it didn't make sense at the time, but it makes sense now. And so if you're feeling underappreciated, if you're feeling like, why the fuck do I even do this? Just know that you are helping people, that you do have an important thing to bring to the table. And you are like down the line, somebody's gonna be like, oh shit, I, I took a class on this and maybe they reach back out to you. They, they dig through the archived versions of the convention website to figure out exactly what class it was they, they took from you. Um, and they look for, you know, more of your, your content, more of your, um, expertise. And so like sharing that is not only a service that we do selflessly, like I say, we, I mean the Royal we, right? Like everybody. <laughs> Like, like we, we in the king community, we have to, right? Like we have to, and we have to keep giving that because otherwise, you're going to have these like 22 year old men off tenders trying to choke somebody with headphone cables. Like, um, and so we have to keep doing that because if there is nobody showing up to teach those 9 a.m. classes yeah. very, very selflessly, um, you don't have the community and the the kind of play and the kind of like beautiful relationship to kink that people have now. And I would say that like not all reward and benefit has to be monetary or yeah. has to be praise as well too. And like, I, I teach a class on how to teach a class and it's both on like how to structure it, but then also like <laughs> where and when to value feedback. Cause I also think it's true that just because five people came up to you and told you, you had a really good class doesn't mean that your class wasn't harmful and completely inaccurate and unsafe too. So like, we can't just you should be teaching for yourself. And there's always different benefits. Maybe I taught and like there was one person in the room and they laughed at this one joke I tried out. And I'm like, cool, that kind of killed there. Maybe I'll slot that in. Or someone asked a question or like I just get more practice, whatever it is, but you should be teaching for yourself and knowing that like you are putting something out there that needs to be there or you're correcting like, you know, worse information that's out there, but we shouldn't be primarily teaching for others to help others and to create that validation cycle that can only be helped when like other people are directly benefiting from us. We should be teaching for ourselves. I absolutely love the perspective and I thank you for sharing that. And when we come back on what women and other wonderful humans want, we're going to talk a little bit about big things and 
records and things like that when we come back on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dave and Kinky. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. Recently, we put together a brand new book called Hearts and Collars, reflecting 20 years in a power exchange relationship. It's 350 pages of what we've been living for the past 20 years. Indeed, and it's got chapters like communication, power exchange and spirituality, how to be a leader, high protocol, becoming a follower, rituals, the new porch time, victim, survivor, and thriver, power exchange and polyamory, submissive versus wife, the practical contract guide, relationship shorthand, as well as other tools and experiences we've had over the years. Check it out at eroticawakening.com slash hearts and collars. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn. Have you ever dreamed of a house that is kink-friendly in every room? Have you ever wanted a getaway where your every desire is contained within steps? In Cincinnati, Ohio, the Wanton Sinners B&B is now open. Two kink-equipped bedrooms, a fully-equipped basement dungeon, and a living room with cages and restraint points throughout and you can leave your toy bag at home because every space comes with plenty of toys and restraints. Visit Wanton Sinners on FET and follow the links to the Airbnb and Verbo listings. The Wanton Sinners B&B in Cincinnati, where your dreams have a home. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. Hi there, I'm Nookie. My pronouns are she, hers, and I'm the founder of Dating Kinky, a different kind of dating and educational site for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Catch me in my own podcast, Dating Kinky. And now back to John and their guest on what women and other wonderful humans want. Thank you, Nookie. It's my pleasure to be joined by Lola Jean and Miss Shayla from New York City. They are the proprietoresses <laughs> of seven days of domination. I loved how you said that earlier, Miss Shayla. Proprietoresses. <laughs> Miss Shayla, you have an amazing dungeon space in New York City that isn't all about just being a place for you to hold sessions. It is so much more. Tell me about the genesis of it and what it means to the community. Ooh, the genesis was funny. Uh, <laughs> I So what I wanted was a place, my uh, box of equipment that, uh, cause I am a pro dom and the vast majority of us work out of different places, right? Various dungeons, hotel rooms, parties, whatever. So everybody's got this sort of traveling suitcase that they fill up before a session. And 
my boxes were overflowing. I'd stuffed them all under my bed and they were overflowing. And I said, fuck it, let's get a dungeon. Um, and at the time, my, my very first dungeon was, it was a starter dungeon. It was a pretty rundown, uh, empty room with no bathroom. The bathroom was in the hallway. It was shared by everyone else on the floor, uh, kind of out in the, the boonies, almost the suburbs. And it, uh, it was, it was home for about a year. And then I was able to, when the, the pandemic happened, I got really lucky because since I had no employees and it was a single use space, only one person could be there in a time. Um, it, there were people who were, you know, they had kids or they, uh, their partners were home, so they couldn't film content. They couldn't take night flirt calls. They couldn't do any of that stuff. And so I said, fuck it. I don't know how long we're going to have it. Use it for free. Um, do whatever you want in there. I'll, you know, I'll give you the keys. And so I figured we'd just ride this train to the end of the station. I was not going to be able to make the rent. I was going to lose the dungeon because nobody was working and it ended up being okay. It ended up being okay. A lot of people utilize the space um, to, you know, film clips and do take phone calls and things like that. And I was able to move to a nicer space with a bathroom. Um, <laughs> no bathroom. And so that was really exciting. And then eventually I was able to open this uh, three room space in New York City. And uh, it's been, what I really wanted was a place where people could teach um and host events and one of my favorite things to do is whore co-working uh where I invite you know anybody who's in the sex industry to come in and admin work is the bane of our existence when pe people say like when people enter the sex industry they think it's going to be you know either if they're they're becoming a dominatrix for example they think that it's going to be oh yeah I'm going to be you know hitting people and hugging people and, you know, having a great time with my clients, but it's like 90% emails, right? It's 90% uh, writing ad copy and building what so much admin work. And there's often kind of a mental block there. Um, I know me personally, I get way more done if I'm in a room with other people. And so once a month we do big whore co-working, right? Where anybody who's in the sex industry can come and get stuff done. Everybody brings their laptops. We eat a lot of snacks. We um, network with each other. We talk to each other. We say, Hey, does this ad copy sound stupid? And then you get, you know, 15 other people who are like, Oh, well, you could change the wording a little bit, or, Oh, here's how I would, would phrase it. And so that's been really fun and really helpful. And it's, uh, that's my favorite event that I have here. My absolute favorite. Um, we were able to host for the last couple of years, I've been able to host orphan Thanksgiving. And so anybody who maybe has no family or is too far from their family is able to come and we have a big spread last year we had two turkeys uh <laughs> and so that's been really the best part is just being able to be surrounded by so much community all the time has been really just the great joy in my life um and it's always really nice like you know because I'm here all the time right building stuff out and, and getting it ready um and and so I'll hear from the, that one of the dungeon rooms, just the delicious screams of somebody else. And then, you know, maniacal laughter. And I just sit there and I go, oh, this has all been so worth it. <laughs> I love hearing the screams from the other rooms. It's so magical. It's really satisfying. It's really satisfying. And uh, I just love being a fly outside the wall. It's great. 
<laughs> the other day I told my partner and I was just like, I was like, I could go to sleep to the sounds of men screaming. And he's like, well, that's something new that we should unpack. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, not you, not, not just you general men. Different as you, but just, you know, every, every other man on the face of the earth. <laughs> Lola Jean, I'm getting to talk to a world record holder. <laughs> She was there for all of them. Yep. <laughs> but I have to admit, I don't understand it. You don't Ex have to. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I, <laughs> I'm trying to educate myself here. So your world record is in squirting. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to educate myself because I am a man who should know about this wonderful talent that you have but don't understand it a lot most people don't most people just like to argue with me they don't even want to understand it they just want to be right yeah that's why i'd like you to explain it to me so i understand so i set the world record partially because i'm competitive but also i wanted to prove a point to people especially because men tend to make squirting all about them and I think they're threatened by it, especially when it might not be all about them. Um, but essentially, I set this record without penetrating myself, without having an orgasm. And whenever people bring up the, like, is it pee debate? I'm just like, do you think I'm that much of an idiot that I don't know the difference when I'm peeing and squirting? Like, give me some credit. Yeah, women, they, people like to be like, oh, women don't, don't know their own bodies as if we haven't lived in them yeah. this whole time it's you see this represented a lot in like as if men know where tampons actually go right. they have no idea or what a vulva is from a vagina like they're the ones that are gonna tell me they have what's no idea. all they go is oh i made her squirt and it's like it was never about you dude it was never about mm -hmm. <laughs> actually when um when i reset the record i was i was very nervous i was like I'm, i can feel my body i don't think i'm gonna be able to do it what happens if i can't do it in the day and i remember beta's like just pee dude and I was like, but I have integrity. I was like, I don't think I can do that. And she's like, just fucking me. I, I think we, we both gave you the same advice. Yeah. Like, no, I was like, it's going to be fine, right? It's going to be fine. Like, you're here to put on a show, yeah. right? It's not, Guinness actually has uh, rules against sexual goal like sexual goals or sexual records because they don't want people to hurt themselves as if any of the other things right. have people hurt themselves. <laughs> um, and so you I mean you you did it you nailed it mm -hmm. you you cleared the goal and then some yeah well I just I was like well if Guinness won't let me do it I'll just figure out what science says and then I'll break that um but it was it's, wild it was so yeah. it was like literally the bowl was this fucking big it was crazy I made the wonderful mistake of giving her a megaphone and she just yelled at people until they drank it yeah it was because it, it gets auctioned <laughs> off to the yeah. highest bidder. And like it like any bodily fluid, that shit's gonna go bad. So yeah. you gotta you gotta consume it yeah, while it's, it's fresh. Not, it's not good when it gets cold, right? Um so yeah, you auctioned it off to the highest bidder and the the gal who'd won did a fine job of drinking what she could. <gasps> uh, but there was still so much it was like a bucket. There was so I was much left. She's trying to drink it all and I was like, Don't do it, please don't, don't do this. this. I, I don't do it. You don't have to. <laughs> You don't have to have the hero's journey with the world's largest volume of sport. Oh, God. <laughs> um, a lot. But yeah, basically the question of like, 
what is it? It's sexual applause. It's sexual fluid. It's not an orgasm. Um, and if you want to debate me on it, I really don't care. Um, but it's something that I happen to do and I happen to do a lot of, and I happen to do it really easily with a lot of control. Um, so, and I also like being an exhibitionist and the center of attention, especially when there's the barrier of a stage between me and other people. Mm -hmm. So I just make a whole thing out of it. Um, but it's kind of, uh, you know, it's my version of a big fuck you, um, to mm -hmm. everyone. I would never want to debate. I appreciate <laughs> you explaining. Good. And I have said many times on this podcast in the battle of the sexes, I can't cheer for my own side. <laughs> and when it comes to respect when it comes to education when it comes to the things that are important men need to do a better job of being open open-minded vulnerable and willing to accept that there are many different sides to a story, mm -hmm. not just theirs. Mm -hmm. I would and say in so, general, men need to be better at being accountable. That's yeah. that's kind of the downfall, mm -hmm. literally yeah. all of it. That's really all of it. And you know, you've never faced any consequences for your actions. And so you go, well, I'm certainly not the problem. And it's like, cue the Taylor Swift noise again. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, oh, it's me, it's been <laughs> me the whole time. <laughs> I have said again many times on this podcast that the difference between most male thinking and most female thinking, and it's not really about gender, but it's about a frame of mind. Men's thinking is they get the problem, the situation, the story, and they see a solution and they go right towards it. Tunnel vision damn the damn the torpedoes i'm going straight for it women have this beautiful ability to take a 360 degree view when they get that same situation and the journey may not take you there but it'll take you to where you need to be I think that men are just so good at tap dancing around accountability and avoiding it that they will go any which way in order to do that. So they don't think have to think about anything uncomfortable. And honestly, I think it's just, you know, insert anyone with privilege, you know, mm -hmm. men's a very common mm -hmm. one who have privilege, but like, that's how you can, you know, separate of like, you know, cis men versus non-cis men. Like it's like, it's the privilege piece. And the more privilege you have, probably the more accountability you will evade. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, I, I plug this book all the time. It's a book called Boys and Sex by Peggy Ornstein. And it talks about the socialization of young boys and how they are not, um, you know, not only are they not held accountable, but they're also not taught the same things that women are. Um, we, they're, they're not even taught the words for their feelings. So they don't understand when something is, they feel vulnerable or overwhelmed or uncomfortable or, um, you know, maladjusted in any way, they just, everything comes out as anger. Like, because when mm -hmm. you can't identify your feelings, you don't know how to process them. And then, you know, we're taught as women to be small and to be, you know, oh, be agreeable, get him to like you. It's like, I don't need to get anybody to do anything, right? You either like me or you don't. 
And that's, that's the end of it. I'm not going to make myself small. Whereas men have never been told to make themselves, you know, put yourself in other shoes, right there. That's told to us every day. Well, put yourself in their shoes. What about his perspective? It's, that's and, not there for him. Right. And men have never taught that. And I mean, there are quite a few out there who really understand and who who get it, but the vast, vast, vast majority of them are just like, oh, well, I, you know, I never thought about it that way. And I'm like, oh, baby, you have a whole lifetime of unlearning to yeah. do. Um, and the, I mean, the fact that you're willing to sit there and be like, oh, I, I realize I'm the problem and I would like to take steps to correct this is... Um, I feel like I'm, we're seeing that a little, a little bit more these days. Um, yeah. Whereas before it was like, oh no, I could never be wrong. <laughs> or the like, I should be, uh, if I'm good and I'm more concerned about people, then more people will like me instead of just like, I should not be an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, <laughs> you don't not be an asshole because you want other people to like you. <laughs> you just don't be an asshole because that's the right thing to do. Uh, it's it's the difference between kind and nice yes agree yeah absolutely yeah i did not realize we would end the particular <laughs> podcast on this subject but it I always don't... ends in misandry <laughs> if you if you flirt with it it will end in misandry <laughs> but i am glad you shared the perspectives because they're definitely perspectives that are needed and i know that males make up a lot of the listenership to this podcast and they're always surprised at the end of the podcast wait a minute you didn't talk about sex <laughs> oh, no because it's about the story <laughs> it's about the story of why people are the way they are and who they are mm -hmm. and that to me is the most beautiful story of all and uh I know that you all have some amazing programs that are coming up in the upcoming months. Uh, could you tell us about those and how we can get all the information to join so, you if we are the proper person to be joining you? Because I don't <laughs> think I am one of those people. Well, you are always welcome at any of the seven days yeah. of domination classes. Um, seven days of domination. I don't know that we ever formally introduced it. Seven days of domination is a week-long series of um, kink education every single night, an hour of kink education for seven days straight. We do this program a few times a year. All of the courses are recorded and available on our website for viewing on demand. Um, we've had an incredible list of presenters, some of whom we've mentioned, and an incredible range of topics from, you know, theory and ideas uh, all the way to straight up hard skills. Um, and so it's been a really beautiful community of people. Uh, we offer a sex worker discount, uh, a tremendous discount for anybody who is who is a current or former sex worker. Um, and then also there's there's Baby Down Boot Camp. Yeah, so the Seven Days of Domination is available for anyone who wants to take it, whether you are a lifestyler, a client, a pro, just curious and all of that. And then Baby Dom Boot Camp is something that we offer for people who are either looking to refine their professional domination practice or who are curious about it, jumping in. And it's it's all of the unsexy skills uh, to becoming a dominatrix. It is not how to throw a whip. 
Uh, it is not how to put a sound into someone's urethra. Um, it is how to build your community, how to build your branding, how to screen clients, how to assure your safety, how to do all of these mundane things in a place where people can support you so it doesn't seem incredibly overwhelming. And also just like the various different ways to run your, run your practice. So for Maybe Done Bootcamp, we have um, a workbook that currently the one we have is 60 pages, but we're working on revamping that um, and issuing out our second edition soon. And that's kind of like the, the self-study. If that's fine for you, you'd rather just get a workbook and learn that way. But we also were finishing up putting our full, now it's like eight week program online and that is on demand. Um, there's no sex worker discount for that because if you're taking it, you a sex you worker. A sex worker. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and we do those in person every so often. So this year, 2023, we are doing our in-person two and a half day long baby down camp in New York. Um, the first weekend of April, and then we are yet to announce, but we're going to be coming to Texas in September with it as well. All wonderful things that are so appreciated by the community. And I can't thank you all enough for taking time with me today to not only talk about wonderful education, but getting to know you all as well. It has been an honor and pleasure. And I thank you. Thanks for having yeah. us. Fantastic opportunity to talk to two amazing women who are doing so much for the community. And you can find all their information at seven, and that's the number seven, daysofdomination.com. And that will do it for this edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dayton Kinky. I am John, also known as Hi There Katsu. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. Join us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast, and now... Select shows are available in video format at youtube.com slash datingkinky. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. 